people. Come on, Tom. That's one of them. Oh, it's very loud. That's in the red. The red. I'm grateful to be able to stick to you this morning. Right. I don't know why I always move that. I didn't know what to move. Unfortunately, also, we looked at the, at the Bible, 
regarding the Holy Spirit. And we said, well, the Holy Spirit has been claimed by the Pentecostal church. And so we don't, we don't do much with the Holy Spirit other than the apologies there. It should be important. But we didn't do much. We didn't give much credit for the Holy Spirit. Very sad. I, I, I've come to a lot of repentance in the last few years about the Holy Spirit. But he's a very big part of our lives. So it was a very sad period of time about that. I didn't encourage or incur or meet up with people that were very open about their life. They never knew what was going on behind closed doors. Only when there was a scandal. Then you really learned what was going on. It's been going on probably a long time, but it turned into a scandal. Yeah. Uh, People weren't very open about what, what they were doing, what their careers were doing to them. And then I finally came to the conclusion about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that based on the way we were practicing our religion, that Christ's death was an overpayment by God for what we were doing. He didn't need to send Jesus to the cross for what we were doing. That's a very sober. Are we showing our cross proper appreciation to God for letting his son down on the cross? There are things that Ken talked about in the community. So I've been on a 10-year journey. How can I find my way out of this darkness? How can I find people that seem to be living this and it took about 10 years. And we found our way, uh, we found people we felt safe with. It's a big deal to feel safe. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. we felt safe with. We felt like that they had the Holy Spirit, we were using the Holy Spirit. A lot of those people that we found were a lot younger than we were. And so I went to those people and said, you know, I'm a older, but uh, I'm willing to take what you say because your life is allowing me to do So that's what yeah, I took to over all those experiences up to death. We wound up through all this in Los Angeles in 1990. The left coast, the hated left coast. <laughs> <laughs> A place I said I never wanted to live. But <laughs> <laughs> a place I said I never wanted to live. But I mean, it, it was just silliness. I don't know why I said it. Once I got there, I realized LA County alone has 10 million people. Mm -hmm. 10 million people in one county. LA yeah. City is about 3 million. LA County is 10 million. How do I know that so profoundly? I got called for about a year before we left there to be on a grand jury, so L.A. County Grand Jury. And the judge made it a point to tell us, guys, you were representing 10 million of your peers. That's what a shocker that That's what that grand jury did. So 10 million people. When we got to L.A., the church there had about 100 million. 100 million. 
hundred million. We got there on January third, nineteen ninety. Hundred million. We go through riots, earthquakes, fires, floods in the first three years. I'm thinking, are we supposed to be here? What's going on here? But in that first year, the church grew to a thousand members. You talk about being on a rocket spot. And I was the administrator. I had to try to find the money to do this and the ministry. So that was uh, my first experience at church growth, real church Accelerated church growth. Really something else. We needed specialized ministries back then. We needed a Latin ministry. Lots of Latins in that way. We needed a inner city ministry for the people in the tough parts of town. <coughs> the leader would come to me and say, We need money for this. I said, We don't have it. Well, let's go to the church and ask for it. And we'd go and we'd ask for another special contribution. And we get and we'd have those ministries, and we grew to a thousand in one year. Mind-boggling what we went through there. But if we hit a <coughs> big roadblock in 2003. A big problem rose in the church. Everything stopped. <coughs> Everything slowed down. And it didn't change much for the next 15 years. We just went pause. And I got very frustrated because my background came from the churches that I've been a part of here in, in the later years. I still wanted to be with people that were going to live out the Great Commission, make disciples, uh, follow the Great uh, Command to love your neighbors yourself. So I kind of stewed a little bit. Then it was time for to retire at the tender age of 73. <clears throat> so we decided we needed to find a little lower cost of living in Los Angeles. So we looked around and we wound up coming to Huntsville. And it is a lower cost of living, thank God. But coming here has been a great blessing to us. Uh, it's not a great blessing to have your wife have cancer and go through six rounds of chemotherapy and just now coming out of all that. But it's still a great blessing to be here and to be with you and to feel what we felt from you. What do I feel about Huntsville? I feel like Huntsville has a similar makeup, similar setup as LA did in 2019. I think God has been preparing Huntsville to make a big impact in this part of the country. I really believe he's been doing that. There are pioneers here that are absolutely impressive people. Becky and Charlie Brown, Dana Barb Clark, Shanique. Shanique, where's your hand? Uh, the Moxleys later on, uh, the Garvitas came in. 
very solid people, very loyal people, very tough people. I made it through some very small and dark times here in Huntsville, just trying to be recognized as a church. Now, I will say this, uh, an old phrase I learned about what the definition of a pioneer is. That's somebody with arrows in their back. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, if you were, if you were a pioneer back in the early days of the country, you know, there were Indians around and they were shooting arrows. So somebody with arrows in their back. But you, you made it through with the pioneers. And then you needed a, an evangelist and a woman's minister leader. And you got to and thought that was in it. And we wore them out so they're off on sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> they really made a break. They really have worked very hard here. And they really haven't had a decent vacation. So we said, take them up. And so that's what they're doing. And we really appreciate this. There have been some very impressive, can we say, strategic people to move in. Very strategic, very powerful, deeply committed, committed, convicted people that moved in. I won't go through all the names, but look around the audience and I see them. And it, it's a big deal. And you say, how did they get here? Maybe they thought they were making the decision. And I believe God was orchestrating. I think the Holy Spirit was working on all of this. We needed a place to meet on a regular basis. Now, remember, we went through COVID-19 just like everybody else. But we didn't go away. Even though it was small, it didn't go away. And we heard of a thing called Zoom. And we Zoomed a lot. But you know, it kept us together. And we made it through all that. And it's a big deal to make. Because I, I talked to a friend of mine who is the current administrator in that Los Angeles church. And I said, how did you guys do through COVID-19? Yeah. Some spots good, some spots not so good. We did very well. Now, we may not think we did well, but you looking around, we did pretty well through COVID-19. You know, you see all these companies moving here. You say, why? Well, Robert Moskett, why don't you raise your hand? His company, TVA, is the power generator of the Southeast. And all these companies that come in here that need a lot of electric power, they look at TVA and say, that's the place to go. And how can you have a big Toyota manufacturing plant, all these other places, all the, all the data centers and everything, these suck up the power. And they look and they say, this is the place to be. And you have a lot of energy that you need to consume to do your job. So God is blessing us with the TBA. Now, TBA goes back to the 1930s. It was a way to put people to work, basically, during the Depression. And especially in an economically deprived part of the country back then. So he got put in place. And it's an amazing thing. Robert, I think you told me that it's the second largest single source of power production over there at Browns Ferry in the country. 
how can we contribute to the church? And it, it, it just, the more I think about it, the more I believe that we have got to become great neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. We really have to exploit where we live. Uh, I believe we can. I believe we will. And I believe we will have a blast doing it. I've tried, I've dabbled with it already. I live on a street that's maybe an eighth of a mile long. I walk my dog twice a day because she needs it. I do too. And so we go for a walk twice a day. And you know what? I've met about 60% of my neighbors. They know me. They know my dog. They, they talk to us. I, I have a goal to be 100%. There's some that I haven't wanted to know yet. <laughs> You know how that goes? <laughs> That's real. But we're going to fix that one too. Mm. A lot of prayer, a lot of humility, but there's some people I need, I need to know. They need to know me. But just getting to meet your neighbors is great. Uh, getting out, having block parties, doing things like that, we can do that. But we've got to cast off the COVID-19 and trapped yeah. in order to do so. Again, I think it's affecting us more than we think it is. You know, there are a lot of singles here in Huntsville. A lot of singles moving into Huntsville. Uh, they act single, but they live with usually somebody from the opposite sex. So we've got to learn to figure out how to help people that are living together. You know, singles don't get married too early anymore. 30s, they wait a long time. So we've got to get good at figuring out how to help them come to know the Lord and shape their lives so that it's not a disaster. Some of those living in living together situations Get disasters. So we've got to, but think of all the engineers that have moved here in this audience. We've got lots of engineers, computer programmers, lots of high tech people here. We need the Lord just as much as we do. We've got to figure out a way to meet them. Would you turn with me to John 6 verse 65? Go on, Tom. I want to put out the caveat again. I'm not leading the church. I'm just telling you the old man's vision. Okay? <laughs> and I notice they're not recording me today. So. No. Are we? They didn't like my they like my costume. Jesus was dealing with some disciples here, John 6, that when, Jesus, when he told some things about eating his flesh and drinking his drink and his blood, some of his disciples left. And he turned around to them and he said, There's somebody that don't believe, or Jesus had gone from the beginning, which of them did not believe that he would betray him. 
he went on to say, this is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has an aid. I don't know what you pray for when you try to share your faith, but this is what I've started praying. For God to enable people to accept Jesus. God has to do it. We can't do it. We're not smart enough, slick enough. Our suits are not fancy enough. God has to do it. And I really think if we could learn this in 2022 to really pray for God to enable people to accept Jesus. The second part of it is that we've got to pray and work with the Holy Spirit to recognize them when He does. We've got to be ready to accept these people that God has been working on. He said, how can that happen? He may have been working on them through illness. Mm. He may have been working on them through a divorce, a near divorce. Sometimes we look and, and we don't see it. Or he may have, he may have been involved in an addiction. But God is probably working on He's enabling them to get healed. And so I really think we've got to really do that now. My next dream is we're going to become a prayer and fasting church. Amen. You know, everything that took place, if you ever go back to the New Testament and say, how did they do How did they take the gospel to the whole world? They didn't have one of these. They didn't even have Old Testament scrolls. They'd have to go down to the synagogue and get somebody with a scroll. They may have had one or two, but it's really hard to roll up the old scroll and carry around with it in your back. You know? So they, they had to rely on the Holy Spirit and what their convictions were. And so if you, if you start thinking about all of that, it's, they did it through prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit. That's our call, in my opinion, is to rely on prayer and the Holy Spirit and fast. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open our hearts. You know, those of us who have been in the church for a while and accepted the Holy Spirit in our lives and from waking up to what He's been doing all along, we really need to accelerate our belief and our convictions in what he's doing in our lives. I think one of the things that we need to do, this is the old man dreaming again, is to learn how to appreciate and work with other churches that have good-hearted people. To accept the fact that they are good-hearted, they want Many of the same things we do, we may not have the same doctrine, we may not get at it the same way, but this may sound like a little heresy, but it's time for us to realize that a lot of great people around us. And instead of maybe looking down or looking up to them and saying, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your heart. I appreciate the love you have for other people. I think it's time for us to take a look at 
I think one of the things that I observed over the last 30 years, we have, whether we meant to or not, developed kind of a silo mentality. It's kind of the, we go out, we get married, we get a job, we get a house, we get kids, and then everything is focused around that environment. It's really hard to get out of those silos. Yeah. Most, the biggest, best growth of the church in, throughout history is when people were forced to meet their neighbors, cook with them because they didn't have a place to cook unless they went out in the courtyard and cooked with them. So we, whether we admit to or not, whether we know it or not, we pretty much developed into a silo and the mentality in our homes. It, it's a, it's a insidious thing. Probably not thinking about it, but it has happened. So what conclusions would I draw from this? Again, not as your leader, but as an old man you're leader. I think that first of all, we have to decide to come out of our COVID-19 captivity. It's a, it's a decision. We have to decide. My neighbors need me. People around me need me. I'm, I'm still doing anything reckless. Let's be safe. Let's respect other people and their health. But we've got to get out. we got to find ways. We're smart enough to do that. We're smart enough to find ways to do it. I know we are. God let the fish here. We've got to really put into practice the great command in Mark 12, 31. Did you tell me that? I don't know how use this phrase. This is when the teacher of the teacher of the law is asking Jesus about the greatest commands. Verse 31, he says, the second greatest commandment, basically, is this, love your neighbors yourself, there's no command greater than this. I've been, that's been running around in my head a lot. The great commandment. Loving our neighbor. Figuring out who our neighbor is. If you don't know who they are, go find out. Love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to really accept the fact that God enables people to come to Jesus. I just think we've got to get that really deeply embedded in us. Believe that God enables. Believe that the Holy Spirit will help us find those people that God has enabled. That's the way it really has always worked, maybe we forgot. We need to trust the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. You know, again, we're coming out of COVID captivity. I'm going to keep saying that, but we are. It's still out there. It's going to be around a while. We have to learn to deal with it. Come out of COVID captivity. I think we need to appreciate what God is 
doing and using here in Huntsville. We can we can read the newspaper and say it's great that you know Toyota engine plant is going to build engines, so we need Toyota Toyota pickup, and they're going to bring in 450 more jobs and all those kind of things, and realize that's 450 people that may not know all. We need to appreciate things like that. Appreciate the fact that the, the TVA, the Brownstory Nuclear Plant, is enabling all these jobs to occur. If it weren't for them, I guarantee you this place would not be booming like this. Guaranteed. They're, they're all looking for cheap, dependable power. And we need to be really appreciative of that. I think one of the things we're going to have to do in 2022 is really appreciate our pioneers that I talked about earlier. I don't really even thought about it much, but it would be Becky was the church at one time. That was it. And then she married Charlie. And then others came in. Roger, Robert, and Cleo. Others came in. Because that's tough. You're the only one. You're just desperately trying to hold on. You want somebody outside your sphere of influence to acknowledge you. But there's some of God's people here. And that's, that's huge. We really need to appreciate our pioneers and tell them that why. I think another conclusion is that we need to do a lot of not prayer and fasting. I don't, we're not doing much of that. We need to do even more discipling that we're doing, helping each other out. When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, what do you see in me that I could do better? What do you see in me that I'm messing up? How can I be more better friend to you? How can I better be a better neighbor to you? We, we really need to, to key in on these things that, that we know, but we need to really speed them up again. And final thing I would say, and I don't want to get in too much trouble with this, but really start appreciating the other groups around us that are doing good things. Rather than looking at them with skeptical eyes or anything like that, say, no, at least they're doing that. Uh, one of the things I've done, I've done for actually a lot of years, I joined up the Greater Huntsville Rotary. Why do I do something like that? It costs me hundred dollars a month. I get a, I get a meal a month. I have a meal. <laughs> kind of expensive meal. <laughs> but I meet great people. Incredible people. We have incredible speakers. John, I didn't tell you this yet, but there are going to be two speakers from FBI come to speak to our club. They bring in people like that that you wouldn't normally know. Yeah. Uh, Brian, the manager for the Browns Ferry Nuclear Plant. Brought in the mayor of Madison, the mayor of Huntsville. 
uh, the manager of the uh, Polaris plant out of Greenbrook. Uh, uh, I mean, how are you going to know these things? How are you going to know what's going on in the community? How are you going to figure out how to be a good citizen? We need to get out and, and open our eyes and listen. Uh, so I'm probably way in big trouble. My my views, but this is what I was looking for. I've been looking for this for the last 15 years. By the way, cut loose. See what God can do. Uh, and I didn't expect it to find it in Huntsville, but I did. And I'm very grateful for it. So I'm going to conclude with that because, I, like I say, I'm probably in trouble already. And you can already see my OCD and all this. But I think about these things a lot. They mean a lot to me. And I appreciate all of you very much. Thank you for allowing us to come in here. Thank you for the way you prayed for Anna. It's been a hard year for her. And uh, I really appreciate the way you've taken care of us and her and her. And just about another point. Almost everybody I meet in my neighborhood, if they ask me about her, I say, well, she's going to go through cancer treatments and whatever. And they say, we'll pray for her. I met a woman in Scottsboro. And Piggly Wiggly of all places. <laughs> I was uh, manning a booth there selling Medicare Advantage insurance. And she asked me about uh, my life. And I shared what was going on. She said, tell her I will pray for her every day. She says, I have a prayer chair that somebody at my church made for me that I can kneel at. And she will be on my list at 5.30 every morning. That's the part of the country we live in, folks. We need to learn to really appreciate where we live and the kind of people we live in. So thank you very much. I hope I didn't get myself into a stroke. Thank you.